Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirshner. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Big day. Big happenings, big development. Donald Trump now stands federally indicted for some of his crimes, just some of his crimes, that he committed in violation of the laws of the United States. Just some of the crimes he committed that victimized the American people. Welcome to a very special edition. Yes, I know that might sound corny, but it's a very special edition of our weekend long format Justice Matters podcast. And today we will dedicate the entire episode to the Trump indictment and the coming Trump trials. Cue theme music. Yes, so now we're moving into a new phase, a new era in our nation's story, the Trump trials. And friends, just as we have been here every day trying to break down and unravel and make sense of and explain the developing legal issues of the day and then try to predict or project where each legal development might lead us on the road to accountability, on the road to justice, Well, now we will be here every day. And, you know, I would say that we're gonna redouble our efforts, but friends, we already do this seven days a week, morning, noon, and night, right? This is our justice mission. So we'll try to ramp it up a little if that's possible and cover every minute of every day of the Trump trials. Okay, I promise that's the last time I will insert the Trump trials theme music. But I, for one, friends, am so excited at the prospect of accountability. Accountability for Donald Trump and maybe, maybe some of his co-conspirators and his criminal associates. We won't know until the indictment is unsealed on Tuesday. But friends, this is what I wanna start with. I've heard people say, and I'm not criticizing their take on the Trump indictment, but I've heard people say things like, well, this is not a a celebratory affair. This is a very solemn 
moment. And, you know, in a sense, we should all be in mourning because a former president of the United States for the first time in our nation's history has been criminally indicted for his crimes. It's so sad. Well, friends, to that, I say, oh, hell no. Now, maybe this is my Jersey showing. You know, they say you can take the kid out of Jersey, but you can't take the Jersey out of the kid. Well, I'm sorry. Well, no, actually, I'm not sorry. Here's what I want to say. We have long suffered Donald Trump's lawlessness and corruption and his expressed intent to deconstruct our federal government and our democracy. Remember his flunky, Steve Bannon, saying we are here to deconstruct government. You know, we've suffered a runaway criminal presidency, not to mention a presidential cabinet chocked full of corruption since 2016. We've been suffering lawlessness and the determined effort to undermine our democracy and destroy the rule of law. And we're not supposed to feel good about this indictment, elated, euphoric even, now that a formal step toward accountability has come to Donald Trump, a federal indictment? I'm sorry, friends. I was a prosecutor for 30 years and I dealt with more victims of crime than I could ever count. And frankly, every last victim of crime that I had the honor of working with, that I had the privilege of trying to address their victimization, help them, they all reside in my heart to this day, and they always will. And you know what? When I could deliver news to them that an arrest has been made or an indictment has been returned, and their perpetrator or their attacker or their abuser is now one giant formal step closer to accountability? Boy, I never once said, oh, this is a solemn moment. Don't feel good, don't feel elated, don't celebrate. This is no time for celebration. Come on now. Donald Trump has instilled so much anxiety and despair and depression and desperation in the American people and frankly in our friends and our allies and our supporters around the globe. Let me tell you friends, anxiety and despair and desperation damages us in concrete ways. It damages us physically, psychologically, emotionally. It drags us down. It eats us up. And that's what Donald Trump and his criminal associates and his co-conspirators were determined to do to us, to we the people. They wanted us down and desperate and despondent and depressed. They wanted us hopeless and they wanted us feeling helpless. And now we're not supposed to celebrate. We're not supposed to feel elated that a big step in the direction of accountability has come to Donald Trump for his victimization of the American people. You know, accountability or the promise, the realistic prospect of accountability at long last has arrived. Yeah, I'm not buying into the notion 
that this is a solemn and sad and unfortunate development. What's sad and unfortunate is that Donald Trump, a lifelong abject criminal, became president of the United States and was permitted to crime with impunity for going on seven years now. So this indictment of Donald Trump is good and necessary and indispensable and non-negotiable. Holding Donald Trump accountable for his crimes against we the people is non-negotiable. It had to happen. If we have any hope of rebuilding our democracy, repairing everything that Donald Trump and his criminal associates have torn down and tried to destroy, this indictment was absolutely necessary. And my take on it, friends, I couldn't be more pleased that special counsel Jack Smith and his team went scorched earth in the direction of accountability and justice. They used the rule of law for all it's worth in the grand jury, fighting battle after battle to defeat Donald Trump's bogus claims that various privileges like the attorney-client privilege or the executive privilege should allow Donald Trump to hide the evidence of his crimes. I'm thankful and I'm grateful that the rule of law has been reborn and that a statement that felt like it was long dead, that no man is above the law, has been prodded back into wakefulness. And now we have a concrete example for the first time in our nation's history that a criminal president of the United States can and will see the inside of a courtroom and will have to sit there while 12 citizens, a jury of his peers, get to decide whether the evidence that Donald Trump committed crimes proves his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And let me tell you right now, friends, it will. And we're gonna talk about all the implications of that, of a jury of Donald Trump's peers being, for example, in Florida, as opposed to being in Washington, D.C., because that's where the indictment was just returned against Donald Trump in Florida. But please, friends, don't worry, don't despair. This may be a challenge, but it's not an insurmountable challenge. It's not a deal breaker. We remain on the road to justice even if we have to achieve it down in Florida. We're gonna talk about that. And we're gonna also talk about and do a bit of a deep dive into why the evidence is so compelling. And specifically, why an application of the rules of evidence will sink Donald Trump in court. And I hope this turns out to be an important and valuable discussion because Donald Trump has been trying this case in the court of public opinion, but guess what? There are no rules of evidence in the court of public opinion. That's why some of the things might sound good to some people when Donald Trump says them. You know, and, and frankly, some of the things that come out of Donald Trump's mouth, you know, might sound helpful to Trump, might even sound compelling. Right? Some of the things may give people pause when he says them about whether a crime was actually committed or whether the evidence can prove his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm going to try to set your mind at ease this morning, friends, or today, because 
the rules of evidence will crush Donald Trump at trial. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of what keeps me up at night. You know, I mentioned this to Jen Psaki the other day when I was on Jen's show on MSNBC. You know, I told her flat out that the prospect of Donald Trump getting elected again to the presidency and then appointing a corrupt attorney general and having that corrupt attorney general dismiss the case against him, against Donald Trump, if it hasn't yet gone to trial, or of Donald Trump trying to pardon himself, man, that's the stuff of nightmares. Let me hasten to add that a presidential self-pardon I don't believe is lawful. I don't believe it's a thing. I don't believe the Supreme Court will ever rule that it's appropriate and lawful and constitutional because if they do, they are putting a corrupt president above and beyond the reach of the Supreme Court. Let me tell you, Supreme Court justices covet their power, right? They like being supreme. They're not going to give that all away to a corrupt president who pardons himself. But I'm not going to dismiss out of hand or downplay the danger to our democracy represented by Donald Trump returning to the Oval Office. We're going to talk about the legal ins and outs of all of that today. So today I'm going to forego my typical legal recap and my typical discussion about governmental reform because, you know, there's only one story at this moment. That's not entirely accurate. There are actually some other good stories, some good developments, like a surprise Supreme Court decision frowning upon gerrymandering to marginalize minority voters. That was a shock. An opinion joined by Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Not sure how that happened. Didn't know that, you know, Kavanaugh was interested in protecting minority voters or promoting free and fair elections. But hey, we can still be surprised in a good way. So yes, there are other legal stories of the week, but friends, I hope you'll indulge me because today I want to talk about the enormous step we just took on the road to accountability for Donald Trump and the crimes he committed against we the people. You know, the sunrise seems just a little bit brighter this morning. So let's dig in. Coming up, Glenn explains why Trump will be tried in Florida. This is Justice Matters. Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I am loving the warmer weather and the sunnier skies. It makes you want to get out and move and get healthy. And you can help yourself get healthy and meet your wellness goals with no prep, no mess meals from Factormeals.com. There's a whole menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat in a well-balanced way. What's my favorite? I love the jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. So flavorful and healthy too. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. 
What are you waiting for? Head to Factormeals.com slash Glenn50 and use code Glenn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's Glenn50 at Factormeals.com slash G-L-E-N-N-5-0 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factormeals.com slash Glenn50. Go there. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Many people are surprised the classified documents case will be tried in Florida and not the nation's capital, even though witnesses testified before a grand jury there. Here's Glenn to explain how this happens. Okay, friends, in no particular order, let's take on some of the issues conjured up by this indictment of Donald Trump. First of all, why was it in Florida and not in Washington, D.C.? And that's a bit of a surprise because all of the witnesses, virtually all of the witnesses, have been testifying before a grand jury in Washington, D.C. And so the first thing to know is that federal prosecutors can put witnesses in any federal grand jury anywhere in the country, and they can still use that testimony to indict the defendant in any other federal district in the country. So I guess you could say federal grand juries are somewhat interchangeable. Any of them can hear evidence, right? So put another way, um, where you conduct a grand jury is not dispositive or controlling of where the prosecutor will ultimately bring the case. Second, it looks like this has to do with the concept of venue. Now, venue is a fancy way to say that the law requires a federal case to be brought in the jurisdiction or in the state where the crime was committed or where the lion's share of the crimes were committed. So if we look briefly at the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution, it sets out the following impertinent part. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy trial and a public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. So what does that tell us? Well, I think what we've come to learn is that Donald Trump committed most of his criminal acts in Florida. He unlawfully retained and concealed and mishandled classified documents and national defense information at his third-rate resort, Mar-a-Lago, down in Florida. He obstructed justice at Mar-a-Lago, right? He played hide-and-seek with the documents. Each time the federal government or law enforcement authorities came a-calling, trying to reclaim the property of the federal government, he hid them, he concealed them, he moved them around so he could continue to unlawfully possess them, right? So 
that constitutes obstructing justice. And he did most of it in Florida. And so that seems to be why Jack Smith and his prosecution team decided to indict Donald Trump in Florida. Now, question on everybody's mind is, because Florida is Trump country, what does that mean for the jury that will decide Trump's fate? Well, friends, there's no two ways about it. A Washington, D.C. jury, right, with D.C. being something like, you know, 95% Democrat, the citizens of the District of Columbia overwhelmingly vote Democrat. And with Florida being sort of heavily skewed in favor of the Republicans, yes, you may very well get more Republicans, more Trump-friendly jurors on a jury in Florida than you would have on a D.C. jury. However, please don't despair, friends. Here's what I want to say, and you've heard me say it before. I may not be an expert on much, but I think I'm pretty close to an expert on criminal prosecutions, having done nothing but that for 30 years. You know, I picked more juries, selected more juries than I could ever count. And here is my experience. Jurors come into the process of jury selection with all sorts of preconceived notions, all sorts of potential biases or prejudices, you know, against or in favor of all sorts of things, all kinds of people, or perhaps of police, of prosecutors, of judges, of defense attorneys, etc. We all have our life experiences that inform our opinions and our world views. But here is what I know, friends. The overwhelming majority of the jurors that I've interacted with as a career prosecutor take their jury service deadly seriously. I know that might not be the prevailing sense, right? We've often heard jokes like, well, I would never want to be judged by 12 people who weren't smart enough to get out of jury service. Well, that's not my view any more than it's my view that a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich. You know, those are not my views, not my opinions based on my experience inside the criminal justice system for decades. When jurors come in there, they go through a rigorous jury selection process by which the judge asks them questions, the prosecutor asks them questions, the defense attorneys ask them questions, and we get a pretty good sense, as good a sense as you can get if somebody is answering questions honestly and truthfully, and they're under oath when they're answering these questions. They are sworn in as prospective jurors. Again, in my experience, they generally answer the questions honestly and truthfully and accurately. You know, and I say that in part because I have had so many jurors say things like, I can't be fair in this case, you know, and I've heard a million different reasons for why jurors tell us they can't be fair. Yeah, some of them just want to get out of jury service. Yeah, I get that. But a lot of them just offer their honest opinions based on their life experiences, their views, their biases, their prejudices. You know, I've had jurors say things like, 
I could never trust the testimony of a police officer. And I've had jurors say things like, I would never disbelieve a police officer's testimony. You know, I think either of those opinions, are certainly not my opinions, you have to judge everybody's testimony based on their demeanor and based on the quality of that testimony, based on how it compares to other evidence in the trial. But the point is, I've seen so many people say, honestly, I can't be fair and here's why. And when they say that, they are excused by the judge, right? Because something they have said or done or communicated demonstrates to the parties and to the judge that they can't be fair. Now, of course, in this day and age, friends, assuming that it's not an anonymous jury, in other words, assuming the court, the judge, the prosecutor, the defense attorneys have the names of the potential jurors, you know what else we have to determine whether a juror is well-suited or ill-suited to serve in a politically charged case, like a prosecution of Donald Trump? We have this thing called the internet. You know, everybody, almost everybody, has an online presence. And, you know, your true feelings and your beliefs and your opinions and your biases may very well be available for all to see on the internet. So once jurors take an oath to try the case fairly, impartially, setting aside anything they may have seen reported about the case or any preconceived notions or ideas or preferences or biases, any political views they might hold, any ideology that they might you know, bring with them, they have to swear to set all that aside and base their verdict only on the evidence they see introduced during the course of the trial. And friends, I don't want to be Pollyanna about this, but in my experience, they usually take that oath and that obligation deadly seriously, and they do precisely what they swear they will do. They set aside their politics, among other things, and they judge the case based only on the evidence they see during the course of the trial. Let's use one concrete example of how we have seen that play out in recent years, and it's the Paul Manafort case. Remember Paul Manafort, Donald Trump's corrupt campaign chairman who went to prison, who was prosecuted in, among other places, Virginia in federal court, the Eastern District of Virginia, which is just across the river from D.C. federal court, I would hasten to add, across the river and a world away, two very different jurisdictions, two very different courts. That's a topic for another day. But there was a juror who was selected to serve on the Manafort jury who was a self-described MAGA, right? A self-described Donald Trump acolyte, you know, who said, look, I wore my red Make America Great hat as I was driving into court every day. We know this because this juror gave interviews to the media after the Manafort case was over. She said, when I drove in, I parked my car, 
I took my MAGA hat off. I left it in my car. I went into court. I did my jury service. I came back to my car at the end of the day. I put my MAGA hat back on and I drove home. And she was selected as a juror in the Manafort case. And she admitted, I'm a huge Donald Trump fan. I'm paraphrasing now just to make the point. But she basically said, I'm a huge Donald Trump fan. So by extension, I didn't want to convict Paul Manafort. You know, that was his campaign chairman. He was part of Team Trump. She said, but the evidence that I saw in court proved Manafort's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And I took a sworn oath to decide the case based only on the evidence and not on my politics, so I voted guilty. Now, friends, I know there's not a perfect parallel between you know, Paul Manafort and Donald Trump. Some the hardcore Trump supporters probably feel very strongly about Donald Trump, and perhaps they could care less about Paul Manafort or, frankly, anybody else on Team Trump, any of Trump's other criminal associates or co-conspirators. But I still think it illustrates the point that when jurors are placed under oath and they swear to decide the case based only on the facts, on the evidence. And frankly, if they don't, they could be prosecuted for violating that oath for contempt of court. I've seen that happen. You know, when they agree to do that, they generally act in accordance with that oath. So is Donald Trump likely to have a somewhat more Republican-leaning, even pro-Trump jury pool? you know, and ultimately jury that has selected 12 citizens in the box? Yes. Does that undermine my confidence that the overwhelming evidence of Trump's guilt will not win the day with those jurors? No. It doesn't undermine my confidence. Coming up, will Donald Trump's public narrative about his innocence be problematic for prosecutors in his upcoming trial? Glenn tells us next on Justice Matters. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Donald Trump seems to have his defense ready to go on why he took classified documents to his Florida home. Will it hold up in court? Here's Glenn. So now, friends, let's talk about why this case will look so different in a court of law than 
it looks like in the court of public opinion. Donald Trump has been trying this case in the court of public opinion for years. Well, guess what, friends? There are no rules of evidence that apply to the court of public opinion, and that's why Donald Trump gets to stand up and make idiotic statement after idiotic statement. Statements like, the Presidential Records Act gives me every right to take those documents. Well, no, it doesn't, because the Presidential Records Act doesn't give someone the right to take classified documents. But you know, it sounds good in the moment. People are like, oh, I didn't know the Presidential Records Act gave Donald Trump the right to take those documents. That's interesting. But you know, friends, there's something even more fundamental about Donald Trump's lies and idiotic statements that will crush him at trial, not just because the prosecutors will be able to prove easily that he was lying. It's that the rules of evidence are not applied evenly. Now, they're applied fairly, they should be, but when it comes to statements of a defendant, and now Donald Trump is the defendant in federal court, the rules of evidence apply differently to the prosecutors and to Trump's criminal defense attorneys. So, friends, for this one, we're gonna have to go to a quick team justice law school class and talk about the rules of evidence that apply to a defendant's statements, to Donald Trump's statements that are made outside of court, right? Not talking about testimony in the courtroom, we're talking about out of court statements. And the rules of evidence provide for something very different when a prosecutor wants to introduce into evidence those statements, wants to put a defendant's statements that he made out of court before the jury. And when a defense attorney wants to try to put those statements into evidence before a jury. Let's start with this basic proposition, hearsay. We've all heard the term hearsay, that's a hearsay statement. Hearsay statements are generally not admissible in court. Okay, what's a hearsay statement? A hearsay statement is technically defined as an out-of-court statement, that is something somebody says outside of court, not in the context of a trial. It's an out-of-court statement that is offered as evidence in court to prove the truth of the matter asserted. In other words, let's use a hypothetical example. If I say, I saw Donald Trump shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. Why do I use that example? Well, Donald Trump infamously said he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes. If I made that out-of-court statement, I saw Donald Trump shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, that statement could not be introduced as evidence in court to prove Donald Trump shot someone on Fifth Avenue. Why? Because it's hearsay. It's an out-of-court statement offered in court to prove the truth of the matter asserted, the truth in the statement. That's inadmissible. But friends, here's the exception to the hearsay rule. It's called a statement of a party opponent. What does that mean? Well, that's a fancy way to say that prosecutors get to introduce any statement a defendant made out of court. So when Donald Trump makes an incriminating statement out of court, like, I took the documents, prosecutors get to introduce that statement. It's an admission. It's darn near a confession. 
and they get to use it in court, present it to the jury, and it can be used by the jury to convict Donald Trump. So when Donald Trump confesses to a crime out of court, or when Donald Trump tells a lie out of court, the prosecutors get to make the decision about whether they want to put those statements before the jury, introduce them into evidence, and they will do so if they think tactically it helps their case. But whereas prosecutors get to introduce a defendant's out-of-court statements, a defendant, Donald Trump, and his attorneys cannot introduce his out-of-court statements because they're not statements of a party opponent. They're his own damn statements. So here is the beauty of that disparity in the rules of evidence, the way they apply to prosecutors versus defense attorneys. Trump's attorneys will never be able to put before the jury Donald Trump's out-of-court statements that he made, you know, when he was being interviewed by these faux news networks or in town halls or that he was posting on his third-rate social media platform. When he said things like, the Presidential Records Act lets me take all of these records when I leave the presidency. Donald Trump's lawyers cannot put those statements before the jury. Or when he says things like, I had every right to take these documents, Donald Trump's lawyers can't present that to the jury. When Donald Trump said, I believe I did nothing wrong, I violated no law, Donald Trump's lawyers can't put those statements before the jury. But the prosecutors can put Donald Trump's incriminating statements and his lies before the jury, and friends, they will. And let me tell you, they're not just going to introduce incriminating statements like, I took the documents, that's incriminating, but they will introduce multiple statements and they will play them back to back where Donald Trump contradicts himself and proves himself to be a liar. You know, again, he can say these things you know, in, in the public square when he's giving interviews or posting things that are contradictory and he may make them feel good in the moment and frankly, gullible folk may buy into some of it, but that's not the way this is gonna play out in court. In court, this will be the prosecutors using Donald Trump's voice to prove Donald Trump is a liar. And beyond that, they'll be using Donald Trump's voice to prove Donald Trump is guilty. You know, this is like when I tried cases that had wiretap evidence, friends, and I would call that a just press play trial. The jury could hear the defendant who is sitting across the courtroom from the jury. The jurors are eyeballing the defendant as I'm playing the defendant's tape, the defendant's voice and they could hear the defendant committing the crime or planning the crime or describing the crime or narrating the crime after the fact. So when you just press play in, for example, a drug case and the jury hears the defendant say, yeah, uh, I'm gonna need 10 kilos of Coke delivered on Friday. How quickly and easily do you think the jury returns guilty verdicts? It's gonna be the same principle for Donald Trump. And let's just talk about one concrete example based on recent reporting of how Donald Trump's words are going to convict Donald Trump. 
But first, let me start with this. You know, Donald Trump's lawyers can't play any of his out-of-court statements. They can't put them in evidence. So the only way Donald Trump gets to communicate to the jury that Presidential Records Act lets me take this, or I, you know, I declassified it, or I violated no law, I did nothing wrong. The only way that information gets put before the jury is if Donald Trump testifies. And the minute I say that, friends, I know all of you are thinking, he can't testify, right? If his lips are moving, he's lying. I mean, we saw the E. Jean Carroll deposition testimony you know, he testified and he sunk himself because he's a great big liar and he's not a very good liar. You know, which is why he can spew all this stuff in the court of public opinion all day long. But he can't take the stand at trial and testify. And if he does, he'll only make matters worse. So let's talk about this one concrete example of how prosecutors will tactically exploit Donald Trump's inconsistent statements. Donald Trump has said in interviews and in town halls and on his social media platform, he has said things like, I declassified documents with my mind. I just have to think them declassified and they're declassified. And he also said many times, when I took the documents from the White House at the end of my presidency, they were automatically declassified because my act of taking them as president on you know, the last day of my administration, that act automatically declassifies them. Now, first of all, those are lies, right? Outright lies. Automatic declassification and telepathic declassification are not real. They're not things. But Donald Trump made these claims incessantly. But what else did we learn from recent public reporting that squarely contradicts those declassification claims? Well, we learned that there's an audio recording of Donald Trump that was made about six months after he left the presidency. He's at one of his third-rate resorts, and he is recorded saying, I've got this classified document here. And friends, we came to learn it wasn't just any classified document. It was a document that involved, you know, the potential plans for the U.S. to launch a military strike against Iran. And Donald Trump is saying on this tape, yeah, I've got this uh, classified document here. He's waving it around because the reporting is you can hear the paper rustling on the audio recording. And... He said, you know, I'd like to show you this document, but it's classified. And based on some of the things on the tape, it sounds like Donald Trump knew he couldn't declassify it six months after he left the presidency. So he said, it's classified, so I can't show it to you. Okay, friends, let's go back to our just press play. When prosecutors just press play, on a video or an audio recording with Trump first saying, I declassified everything with my mind or it was automatically declassified the day I took it from the White House. And then they press play on a second tape, second recording, six months after he left the White House when he's saying, it's classified. I can't show it to you 
because it's classified. Friends, that's when jurors start looking at their watch and thinking to themselves, okay, when can we begin our deliberations so we can vote guilty? That is the difference between trying a case in the court of public opinion and trying the case in a court of law. Coming up next, what if Donald Trump gets elected again? Glenn runs down the hypotheticals next on Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If Donald Trump becomes president again, how will he be able to manipulate his legal situation? Here's Glenn to explain. Okay, friends, let's finish up briefly with the stuff of nightmares. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is an issue that we will have to contend with well down the road, but in the extraordinarily unlikely event, Donald Trump lands himself back in the Oval Office. I know, I know. And if he lands himself back in the Oval Office, his criminal case has not yet gone to trial. Now, let me hasten to add, I think that very unlikely. I think his criminal case will go to trial next spring or summer. That is the spring or summer of 2024. So well before, or at least a few months before the November election. But if Donald Trump finds himself back in the Oval Office and his case has not yet gone to trial, we all know what he's going to do. He will appoint another corrupt attorney general. Heck, he might just put Bill Barr back in the job and direct Bill Barr to dismiss the pending prosecution against him. Or if he's already convicted and he wins re-election, I know it sounds like the stuff of a fiction novel, a really bad fiction novel, but if he lands back in the Oval Office and he's already been convicted, he could try to pardon himself. Now, I've talked in the past and we'll be talking again in the future about how a presidential self-pardon in my opinion, is not lawful or constitutional. And perhaps more importantly than my opinion, I don't think the Supreme Court would ever rule that a presidential self-pardon was lawful and constitutional. Because then the president becomes a king. He becomes a dictator. 
and he can easily just put himself above the Supreme Court. You know, in fact, he could just order all the Supreme Court justices that he didn't like to be jailed with no criminal charges and no criminal trial. And then what would he do? He'd pardon himself for that crime. And do you really think the Supreme Court justices would affirm his constitutional right to do that? No, it's not going to happen. The Supreme Court is not going to let a criminal president put himself above the Supreme Court. But in a slightly more realistic scenario, what if Trump is convicted and imprisoned and then Ron DeSantis gets elected? He has already said he would consider pardoning Donald Trump. So all of these scenarios are the stuff of nightmares. So friends, all of this reinforces the fact that we have to get out there and vote in numbers too big to rig and too real to steal. And we will, because we care about democracy. We care about the rule of law. And because to us, justice matters. Friends, thank you for joining me on this pretty historic day, this pretty historic moment in the life of our nation, the first indictment of a criminal former president of the United States. We are gonna be talking a lot about the Trump trials moving forward. And if you wanna find me elsewhere, friends, you can find me uh, at Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at Glenn Kirshner 2 the number two. You can find my daily legal analysis videos on my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. If you go, I hope you'll subscribe. It's always free to subscribe. If you're interested in more formally supporting our all-volunteer efforts here at Justice Matters, you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron, and if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. We couldn't continue these efforts without your support. And of course, you can always find my audio podcast, Justice Matters, wherever you ordinarily get your podcasts. So friends, hold on tight because this is going to be a legal roller coaster. Ups, downs, hairpin turns before, you know, the roller coaster finally pulls into the station and arrives at the destination, which I am still convinced will be accountability and justice. Friends, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.